Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's a Wednesday afternoon, heat wave here. And let me take a look at the Parshas, Parshas Pinchas, which is being sponsored very generously this week by my good friends who I've never met yet, the Radomskis in Israel and the Gush. Um, this week, uh, Benjamin and Dvor Radomsky, and uh, this week is his, both grandparents have the yard sites this week. The grandmother, Brachel Basietzuk, was, I guess, yesterday, 20 days in Thomas, and the grandfather... There's 24 days in Thomas, that's like the end of the week. So the Nishamas should have an Ali, as they say. And we thank them. I am trying to figure out a trip to go in January. I would like to stop there, but anyhow, let's take a look at Parshish Pinchas, which is very thought-provoking because, um, I don't know if you, my way of looking at a Parsha is to look at the implications. At least once I reach middle age, the implications are kind of more interesting. And the implication of this week's parsha, I'll tell you, I'll give you an example. From Parsha's Korach, you learn that a demagogue will win. The fact that Moshe Rabbeinu was able to triumph miraculously, that's only Moshe. You understand? It's a one-time deal. But usually, stay away from that stuff because you can't rely on the ground opening up for you. That's the, that's the meaning of it. You understand? Um, so, similarly, in this week's parsha, you can't stop... The Benos Moab, the boy-girl thing, without an act of zealotry, that's very disturbing. Because Pinchas had to kill the guy. Anything short of that wouldn't work. And from here you see, this is why the firm world is so puritanical. Here you see that when it comes to chemistry, ain't no protection. <laughs> no way to avoid it. You know? Um, now we try our best, you know, with a uh, segregation of, of genders and things like that. You know, no co-ed generally speaking. But having said that, you can't really win. If not for a guy like Pinchas who went ahead and stabbed and killed a guy and the girl, everybody would have died. I want to focus on that. We have an actually remarkable pusset, it seems to me. At the beginning of the partial, where, of course, as we all know, Pinchas has just killed Zimri and Sol and all the rest of it. And God says, leave him alone. Pinchas ben Elozaron ben he took away my anger. Right? Bekano was kinesi b'socham because he was a kanani on my behalf. B'socham. For lochi lisi is b'nei so b'kinesi. And that's the reason I didn't wipe out the Jews. I got so angry. So, you see over here a lot of very interesting things. First of all, you know, from a modern perspective, what was so bad? Boys are boys and girls are girls. It's going to happen. What's the big deal? You see, you're thrown. <laughs> you see, it really provoked God. Like the guy saw, I guess, so, you know, a bunch of guys and girls had a good time, so what's, it, what's the big deal? Cool it. Wrong. It really took off Hashem. Now you can get technical and me say, well, they started to worship the Baal Part. It's possible. But the basic idea is that um, boys and girls is just chemistry. 
It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And in this context, it got really got angry. I'm sure they had no idea that that was happening. You know what I'm saying? A guy sees a girl. A girl sees a guy. Next thing you know, it's this, that, and the other. They're not thinking this got approved enough. They think, eh, it'll be okay. What's the big deal? Consenting adults, as the term is nowadays. Wrong. It's a powerful pussy. I want you to understand. This got, this business of the Benos Mov, which didn't involve violence, anybody. This was Benos Mov, ticked off God so much, he was ready to kill everybody right then and there. What a story. He took the Jews out of Egypt through ten plagues, crossed the Red Sea, brought them to Harsinai, you know, like the Haggadah and Pesach, or the Haggadah. Then built the Mishkan, took them 40 years in the desert, in spite of the Moraglim, with the Mon, the Be'er, the whole nine yards, got them up to Israel, and on the front door of Israel, he wiped them out. That would have been the end of that history. Because Relochi Lisa has been able to go to see, means it. And he would have taken everybody down to from and then out from, based on the idea, I guess, of Kol Yisrael, uh, Raven Zelazer, something like that. And what an end to a story. How would the world have turned out? I don't know. How can somebody answer a question like that? But isn't that remarkable? Yet Avram, Yad Yitzhak, Yaakov, all these things, Maim and Harsinai would have been for nothing. Ten Commandments would have been for nothing. Moshe Rabbeinu, all the junk he put up would have been for nothing. Because Chilis is B'nei Yitzhak, when the B'nei Yitzhak happened, and Moshe, by the way, was helpless, unable to, to, to stop it. That's what the Medrash says. One second. Yeah, I found it. It's a Medrash at the end of a Bullock and uh, in my good old uh, Torah Shlem here. It's a Medrash Rabbah. It's a Chazal. Hema Bochim. Rashi gives it a little bit. Listen to the Medrash. Shinnitzrapa Yudei Moshe Shok. They were helpless. Their hands got weak. Moshe didn't know what he, he, he faced a helpless situation. He lost it, as we'd say. Marshal Mola Debra What's it like? Leben Melchin is Kashtal. Likon is Lechubba. Lebas Melchin. In other words, they're going to have a royal wedding and the princess is all dressed up like a bride. Leisha Bapirin sit in the bridal chair. Peninsis Mikalkel Sachar. And she carries on. She has an affair in the middle of the Chubba. Literally in the Chubba. And the father and everybody is just shocked. Sinis Rabu Yudea Aviyah Vakroveha. They were shocked. That's why they couldn't respond. The shock was more powerful than the anger. Rendered helpless. When Moshe saw the Benos Moav and all that, it was a shock. Kach Yisrael, Besof Mem having gone through 40 years of all the Chumash stuff, the Moshe Rabbeinu stuff. Chonu ala Yardin Lavares Israel, they were just about to enter Israel on the banks of the Yardin. Shenem Rayachtam Be'arel Ashitin. Besham Nifritzi Biznus. And there the whole thing busted out. In other words, like you say today, one minute to twelve. And Moshe and all the righteous, all the from, were like helpless in this situation. It's a little bit like reminds you what happened hundred years ago, whatever, American Europe, where everybody just became not from. And the older generation simply did not know what to do. And all these grandparents, Baltimore, Europe, Lithuania, Germany, elsewhere, and they saw their grandchildren just not from anymore, and they just gave up, and they did not know what to do. Screaming at them is not going to do it. They, they, they were helpless. They could only cry. You see that? When when Moshe was younger, 
and he wasn't like that, he could fight off 600,000 and destroy Eagle Hazov. But now, he lost it. And the Medish goes on to say, Lefisha and Asatzel, because Moshe was lazy, in this situation, Beik was a guy more base part. Below Yadish is Kumarasa. That, and Medakti Matzikim Kuchutasara, that's what it says. So as Moshe was later buried, not long after this incident, this takes place shortly before the death of Moshe Rabbeinu, correct? The book, the whole story, is in the 40th year, Mamash near the end of the life of Moshe. And he is buried, of course, as we know, opposite base Pa'or. Why does the Chumash have to tell you that? Tell you, you know, for the sin of the day, he didn't stop the ball part. But I don't want to concentrate on the Moshe side. Rather on the, on the Pincha side, because if, as we understand over here, the guy saved the whole Jewish people. You understand? It was a good chance that the whole Chumash would have been pointless because everybody would have been killed over there because of the act of some, which could not be stopped by the others, and therefore everybody's held accountable for the act of the few. Not the few, but the act of the perpetrators. Okay? I mean, they don't say the Jewish girls did this with the Moabite men. They said the Jewish guys did it with the, with the Moabite women, as you know, and the Midianite women, and so forth. So, Bullock hired Billam to curse the Jews, and Billam was successful. He wasn't successful in the classic sense of pronouncing a curse, but he was successful. Quite successful. As a matter of fact, had it not been for this one guy named Pinchas, nobody else stepped forward. Think about that. For millions of Jews, grand total of one, nobody else stepped forward. If not for Pinchas, then the Jews, Kilisa is B'nai Yisrael B'kinosi. And I found, just now looking, there's a Bena B'chayu who pretty much makes the same point in striking language. You take a look this week if you're interested. Right? In the Bene Bechayet, where he says, Lochi Lisev, Bene Bechinosi, Nimtis Loma, Shashavas Achema, that the act of Pinchas in restraining God's anger, no, is by killing Zimri and the girl, Garma Kiyuman Shal Yisrael. That's what ensured the Jewish survival. Garma Kim Shal Yisrael. Shilmoli Kain Hayakolin. If not for this, if Pinchas hadn't been moved to do what he did, I'll say it again, there were millions of others, and he wasn't the only from Jew. Obviously. Pilsen was not the only from guy. They would have all been exterminated. So the whole Jewish people would have dropped dead right then and there. And God was not in the mood to hear one of Moshe Rabbeinu's whinings and pleadings of Ayichal Moshe. That was back there 40 years ago. For this, not. Because otherwise, you could say, How do you know he's been Maybe Moshe would have stood in the breach as he did before. He saved them by the golden calf. He saved them the Maidam Raglam and on many other occasions. But not on this occasion. It was Pinchas who did it, not Moshe. And God is saying, had he not done this, right? As the Ben Bechai says, Shalom Moli Kane, how you calling? They would have been exterminated. Vim Kane, Pinchas, Goram, Lisrael, Orich Shamim, Orich Yamim, Mushnos Chaim, Meotos Mana, Sofolon. He saved the Jewish people. All that came from Klai Yisrael after him, you can note to the single guy named Pinchas. The Orech Yomim Bishnos Chaim. For Otom Ashanim, Englam Sovetachlis. And it's on into the future endlessly, because they say that Klai Yisrael will survive endlessly. Olakach Zochalich Yusain Tachlis. So the Benachai, you know, has a vort. And the vort goes like this. It's a cute vort. I'm not into it. It's a cute vort. Pinchas is El Yohu. El Yohu is supposed to live forever. Because it never said he died, just said he went up to heaven in a fiery chariot, which we all understand to me didn't die. 
he did something else. And that's why he can switch back and forth. That's why you say, oh, I saw Elion over here, or Elion over here, saved the people. How come you ever hear like this? I was in trouble, and Yeshayah Elion appeared and saved us. They don't do that with Yeshayah, because Yeshayah died. Elion Elion didn't die, so I said, oh, the guy who saved me was Elion Elion. So, he lives on forever. Why is he living forever? This is like a vort. Uh, well, he caused Claudius to live forever, as a nation, because they would have been killed, all of them. And the Claudius all goes on forever, therefore... I mean, the connected meter, he has immortality of some sort. I mean, it's good, but, you know, it's a bit of a chaya. But to me, it pales in the insignificance. Connected, the striking fact, the Jewish people came that close to ending Jewish history on that stupid occasion with the Benos Mo. You understand? Which nobody gave any thought to, obviously. I wouldn't say that they knew this and they said we don't care. Never occurred to them. So one of the things you see from this parasha, which is one of my pet theories all the time, is that the entire story of the Chumash turns out down to the very end is a learning curve, or whatever you call it, in which case, in which case, um, you're learning more and more about God that you didn't know before. When the Jewish people leave Egypt, they knew this much about Hashem. They didn't know that much. Obviously, for example... What they picked up from the Maimar Sinai gave them deeper insight into Hashem than the Ten Plagues. And this, the subsequent sin of the Golden Calf and the forgiving of the sin taught Moshe Rabbeinu things he didn't know. Hashem, Hashem, Racham, And so on and so forth. So as you progress through the Chumash, little by little, they learn things about God that they didn't know before. Don't tell me you know you know it because you read the Chumash right since you're a little kid. See, you already been taught this. You've been brainwashed with this. But that's what we try to do. But they were the first experimenters. They didn't know that. They're learning. And so what's the last lesson, or nearly the last lesson, at the end of Amidbar, which is pretty much the end of the chronology, right? You know, the story from Parshish Chukas takes in the 40th year. And afterwards comes the, 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 the speech of Moshe, <coughs> And it takes the story forward a little bit, but not much. Most of the stuff has happened by the time you finish by Midbar. And Bullock and Pinchas is near the end. But now they learn something they didn't know before. Oh, but they learned that now that they didn't know before. This business with these girls, with the guys and the girls, with the Bros Moab, as they call them, is a dangerous business. It can cost a kilo young. Of the Kali Yisrael. If I were a homiletician, which I'm not, you say, look at the intermarriage and all that stuff. But at the regular level, they're saying, this is a big deal. Now, somebody might say, why is this such a big deal? But some of they kill people, or maybe they worship idols. It's true. They, it says, right, some of these throw ball poor, so there is that element in it. But it's also clear that the XM thing of the Benos Moav, the Benos Minion, really uh, ticked off a shen. When I say Tiktav Hashem, it's really true. I don't know how. I mean, from uh, my Manadian perspective, God done the emotions from the Chumash sure does. And right after the story of Pinchas, what does God say? Wipe out Midian. Because Cosby. It doesn't say because they worshiped the Balpur. It's because they got involved with the girls. 
which there is no cure for. No, there's no way to shield against it. As long as a guy is a guy, a girl is a girl, and they're normal, it's going to happen. You can't, you can't expect otherwise. You see? And so, if they didn't take measures to prevent this, make an attempt, they're going to get wiped out. And in next week's parasha, God says basically to Moses, the last thing you do before you die is wipe out Midian. Right? In next week's parasha, uh, what's it saying? Take vengeance on Midian, and then you die. Achar, when you finish that war, you'll be gathered to your fathers. So Hashem is saying, no Shabinu, you have unfinished business. Don't leave the world without this unfinished business. Lahavdo, it sounds like one of these, you know, like mafia movies, something like that. So the guy said, before I go, I'm going to get all my enemies. There is that element of it. That, you know, you can't die without punishing the Midianites. And may I say, I think you know this, when you read about that war, it's the bloodiest, most disgusting war in the Chumash. They killed the men, the women, the children, even the young girls, you know, whatever it is, it's a tough. It's pretty Old Testament, as they say. Okay? Pretty Old Testament. And it's it's pretty bad. If you want to get real from me on me, they even say, you know, we have to bring a carbon because here, uh, where we had, you know, this famous uh, Chazal, famous Rashi. It's a tricky business. It's a very, uh, what's the word? Contagious business, Benos Mob. Adiyamazet, if you're honest about it. If you're honest. The Benos Mob phenomenon, I mean, even Yosef and Potiphar, Asia Potiphar had this situation. So, look, he leads his see. This could have caused a Chorban. Now, what's interesting is that Hashem goes on to say, So the plain meaning of that is get your hands off the guy, leave him alone. I noticed this year, I didn't notice before, that, you know, the famous Chazal Rashi says that the people of Shimon wanted to kill him. That's why God has to say, leave him alone. And they wanted to kill him because they killed their Nasi. In fact, one of, I remember this from years ago from Nachshoni, I think, Bisocham, that somebody can't be a Kanoi unless you're willing to risk your life. Then you're a Kanoi. You know, Look, Chilis uh, is What did he do? You know, he walked into the enemy camp, into the middle of the Shimon, and he killed the guy, fully expecting that they would kill him. If you are willing to risk your life literally, then you have the right to be a Kanoi. Stop to throw stones at a cart that passes and nothing happens to you? That's not a Kanoi. It's not my vort. Somebody said, like I said, if you look at Nachshoni, he has a member from years ago, this whole chapter where they try to delimit the uh, parameters of zealotry, because you know, zealotry can be very dangerous. However, I have to say that from this week's part, you see that without zealotry, you don't survive. If this guy hadn't been a zealot, then Kilesis B'nai Yisrael cannot see. But having said that, he took his life in his hands. Because of God's special protection, they didn't kill him. It's a little bit like Cain and Abel. You mess with Shimon. I mean, you mess with uh, Pinchas. 
Hey, the nose needs to be I, Hashem, will punish you. I'll get you. And so they had to back off. Couldn't be any goal or doms or anything like that. Hey, the nose needs to be That's the Pashim shot. And that's why Pinchas survives. It does not make the tribe of Shimon look good. And I'll tell you why that's so interesting to me. If you go in line, you can either do this the hard way or the easy way. The hard way is to, to work through the uh, book of Joshua. The easy way is just to Google um, Chalukah Sa'aris. I think. Let's see here. Chalukah Sa'aris Lishvatin. And then you see a nice little map of the 12 tribes. And it's, a, it's called Shifte Yisrael. It's a nice map. Color map. I like the color maps. And you see how they see the uh, the, the division in the 12 tribes. You know, and um, that's roughly correct. What you'll notice about Shimon is he doesn't have his own independent territory. Shimon is a bubble located within Yehuda. You see, he has territory, but within someone else's territory. Completely surrounded by someone else's territory. Like the Bantu stands that used to be in South Africa years ago. You see? No territory. And I remember vaguely in Dibriyamov, they talk about Shimon having some territory in the far reaches of Devar Yardi, fighting Amalek and things like that. They didn't have regular karka. You look at the other tribes, each one's got his portion. Menashe is here, Binyamin and Ephraim and Don are there, God and Reuben, you know. Each one's got his own territory, distinct and separate. Shimon does not have his own territory, distinct and separate. To get to Shimon, you guys go through Yehuda, which is kind of interesting. So in other words, I'll tell you something really interesting. But This the tour guys will never get. Beersheba is in Shimon. Isn't that funny? I'm looking at the map. I'm presuming he's going by the book of Joshua where he lists these things. Beersheba is in Shimon. It's not in Yehuda. That's what it has in the map. So, usually we think Beersheba, you know, in territory Yehuda. Uh, what's shot? What's going on over here? It's extremely interesting. What you see is that um, Shimon is not treated like the other tribes. It's almost like you can't be alone on your own. You have to be under someone else's tutelage. And I'm sure the way they're wrapped up over there, they probably blended into you and lost their identity long ago. Because you never really hear about the tribe of Shimon as far as I can remember when you go through the Tanakh. You know, the book of Shmuel, book of Malachan, Devarayamim. You hear about this tribe, that tribe from time to time. This king was from this tribe. Yeah, but Yisachar is wool enough. Tali Asher, here and there. You know, here and there. I don't remember hearing about Shimon. It seems like they blended and lost their identity to Yehuda. Which would mean that it's like Mita Kenegim Mita. They were willing to blend and lose their identity to Moab. But Yitzhak, Yisrael, Baal Pa'or. You know what I'm saying? And therefore, Shimon's never had like a good outcome. That's what it seems. Now, it's also true that Yaakov on the deathbed said, Achal can be Yaakov, Afikzim be Yisrael. But this is like a Makabapatashon. You see? So it's very interesting how these things, you know, play out later on over the course of Jewish history. Um, it's rather remarkable, actually. And Shimon has this uh, you know, funny uh, fate. But the war that they conduct, it's like a war of extermination, and God says like this, you don't die until you take care of this. So we have to send the message out that Shimon, that Moab played dirty pool or Midian. What's shot? You see over here, for whatever reason, that using the Benos Moab was considered a violation of the rules of war. 
there's battles, there's armies. But even in ancient times, it seems there are certain rules of war, like we have nowadays. You can't use poison gas. You get it? Um, there are certain things that are too underhanded. To use the girls that way really was was cheating, and Bill knew it. And therefore, Hashem said, oh, yes, oh, you're cheating like that, so I want you wiped out. And uh, it's quite a remarkable story. I mean, the Torah goes to trouble telling you all this. It's quite a remarkable story. And so the result is that we're left with this picture that you can't fight against human nature and chemistry except by being zealous. But the zealotry has to be, you know, L'shem Shamayim, so to speak. You have to be willing to give up your life for what you believe. Just to stand on the side and say, N-n-n-n, you're like some from me, whatever, that doesn't count. That's a certain hypocrisy. Uh, the real zealots are um, are willing to be most nefesh, as the expression goes. Um, that's rather remarkable. And it goes to show you that uh, the Torah is saying that the Jewish people have a whole bunch of tests and problems. Usually, they survive. This one was a close call. This one was a close call. If not for one guy, he least it makes it boggles the mind. They would have marched 40 years across the desert, come in, gone around Moab, defeated Sifan and Og, getting ready to cross the, the thing. They already had the, the, the Ten Commandments. They had a Mishkan. It, <laughs> none of that matters when you get to human chemistry. It's interesting. Boys will be boys and girls will be girls. Nothing matters when it comes to human chemistry. That is a powerful you know, a statement. Now, the history of morals is its own thing. And based on what I read in the Israeli papers, the morals are a real problem over there um, in the Chilean uh, sector. The uh, b- Because it's a never-ending battle. One of the uh, elements, not the only element, but one of the elements for any stable culture, especially religious culture, is a kind of a, a check on this, on the unbridled essentialism. That's what we call a family. If you have a normal family situation, normal family life, that's one of the mo- most important building blocks of any society. But a family life means a certain sacrifice. I'm doing this and I'm, I'm avoiding that. I'm giving up this type of lifestyle and embracing a separate lifestyle. Um, it is a sacrifice from a hedonistic perspective, anyway. Uh, but without that element of the self-discipline, Kilis uh, is what we cannot see. You know? You see from over here, that you, 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 there are certain things you don't play with because it's like dynamite. And Pinchas, I don't know if he recognized that Nakuda, or he was just moved to outrage by the insult to Moshe. It could be read in a lot of different ways. But when it's all over, Hashem's like, I guess you don't know what you just did. <laughs> you see? You press that button, like a movie, you know? And with that money, you saved the humanity. You saved the whole Jewish people, because they were about to all go down. Anyway, to me, that's a very striking part on this week's Parsha. And with that, I want to once again thank the Radomskis for sponsoring the Parsha of Torah this week. And I wish you a good week.
For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.